everything. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah. ah, okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello and welcome to Gutshot, home of the hottest takes for Magic the Gathering. I'm Will, and joining me as always is Frederick. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, everyone, welcome to Gutshot, the only MTG podcast that does not exile itself from the graveyard after you cast it once, so you can loop us over and over and over. And speaking of looping over and over, we are coming at you again with more cards that we love from Modern Horizons 2. Yes, we are milking this content, Cal. Um, expect moho spoilers, expect deck techs, expect you will be bored of it so quickly, but we will never be. So, uh, yeah, today we're talking about the moho cards that didn't quite make our, our initial top 10 each. This is just another uh, 10 cards for, from each of us that we are excited about for Modern Horizons 2. A little bit of limited, a little bit of modern, a little bit of commander. Um, yeah, we're just excited to talk about Modern Horizons 2 cards. Will, how are you feeling today? Uh, I, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I'm super excited about this. And one thing that I think is great about what we're doing here is we're not just listing the best cards. You know, like it, it's not just here's what we think is going to be the most impactful. You're getting this through the um uh you know the 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 flavor of the gut shot boys, so to speak. You know, like I know that I uh, favor a lot of aggressive strategy. I love red cards. You're definitely going to see that in my list. And I know that you have been maybe doing a little bit of um, brainstorming a little brewing with things uh so we're gonna see what you've been thinking about uh and we're gonna see what cards really appeal to the both of us as opposed to what is just the best thing yes um but before that we have um uh, one card that i particularly would like to talk about um and you can just edit this in here because i just thought of this um fey offering is two in the green for enchantment at the beginning of each end step if a viewer would like, that viewer instead likes, comments, and subscribes to this episode of Gutshot. Yes, please do all of that. I think that this card is an automatic four of in any deck that you're playing, uh, and we would love it if you would do all the, all the social things uh, to you know uh, um, share us uh, and talk to us in the comments and uh, tweet at us and uh, everything that, that Fred said. I think would be make us very very happy. Well, let's just get right into it, Fred. Um, I know that we're super excited about this, and uh, I think is this am I starting off? Is this my card? I think it yes. is. Okay, yes. Unmarked Grave. Um, this was spoiled pretty early, um, so we've been able to think about this card for quite a bit. Um, two mana, one generic in the black, uh, sorcery, rare. Search your library for a non-legendary card and put that card into your graveyard then shuffle uh i don't think we have to explain why entomb is such a great card uh you know one mana search your library for uh one card of any kind and put it into your graveyard most of the time people are using entomb to get uh, reanimation targets and that's exactly what's going to happen here now one mana to two mana is a big jump but it is just two mana um uh, this is a great rate on just being able to immediately put whatever you want to um uh uh, reanimate into your graveyard now the the, the big thing here is non-legendary if you mm -hmm. look at you know um, traditional uh, reanimation uh, style decks the reanimation targets are usually legendary so this is actually much more limiting than you think but there are a lot of non-legendary things that are worth getting and i think we're going to talk about one or two uh in this list as well um that are worth getting so 
I think I mentioned this in the, the previous episode, but like regardless of whether it's good or not, people love this strategy and uh, this is powering up that strategy. So regardless of whether it's the best thing or something that you ought to be doing in modern, people are going to be doing this regardless. Um, mm -hmm. So I do think this is going to see um, play because people just love breaking these strategies in half. Do you think that this has the power to show up in modern, Fred? Personally, I don't. I think when you're talking about getting up to two mana, you'd just rather be dredging and hoping to hit what you're going to hit in your yard. Um, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I think the, the purpose of Entomb is that it's one mana and then the reanimator spell you cast is two mana. This messes that whole thing up. And I think you'd rather just be like dredging Life in the Loam, dredging Young Thug, dredging uh, Stinkweed Imp, uh, and just eventually being guaranteed to hit that card because there's, you know, not that many different cards in your deck. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, oh, jumping from one mana to two mana, especially in a very lean and uh, efficient format such as modern, you're right. That what even that one mana jump and the um, the limit of uh, non legendary does put a lot of damper on the power of this card. But I, I mean, when I go to uh, you know like Friday night modern, uh, you know, or the weekend tournaments, I'm 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 I would not be surprised if I see some people trying to to break this card. So we just have to if you're trying to do anything reanimation in modern, we have to remember that this card exists. But yeah, and in a post-Faithless post looting world, it is infinitely harder to get cards in your yard. So, maybe. Uh, yeah, but we also, I mean, modern has all of the drudge cards you could ever want. So, uh, yeah. uh, maybe look at that too. Um, so, that being said, let's move on to your first card. And, uh, yeah, so this was the last incarnation to be spoiled, right? Yeah, and I was worried that because of that it was going to end up being bad. Um, but it's actually quite good in my opinion. <clears throat> um, so I've been brewing a, um, gr uh, team or cascade deck, right? Um, all the best suspend spells and then Bloodbraid elf and, um, shardless agent, but that deck needs a way to not instantly fold to baby Teferi because baby Teferi shuts you off from cascading. So I was trying to decide on a good answer and I think I've landed on Fury because he can kill Teferi, but he can also, like, if you're against an aggro deck that has a couple creatures out, he can split that damage between them uh, and potentially kill both of them. Uh, and that Evoke kind of sucks, like you're going to be going down in card advantage, but this card feels pretty good to hard cast too. You know, it's 5 mana, which is a lot, but it's a 3-3 double strike, and when it comes in, it deals 4 damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures or planeswalkers. So a lot of, uh, a lot of versatility there. Um, to where you don't mind hard casting it, but it also kills the Teferi um, right when the Teferi comes down. So you can, um, like, on that turn, immediately play a Shardless Agent and sort of get back the card advantage that you lost from, uh, from evoking this. So I think this card has a lot of potential in that very specific scenario, and I'm excited to play with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, uh, like you said, you made this point a lot in the previous episode, but I think it still holds true with this. The evoke is gravy. Um, you know, like these are good cards if you just play them fairly. And if you're if you're building with them, which it seems like you are, um, it's better to think of these as what they are with the extra part of being able to evoke it in like a crisis or something like that. And you're absolutely right. Um, it is a little below it is a little below par in terms of its stats, but you have to remember you get that um, enters the battlefield trigger. Um, it, you know, regardless of whether you evoke it or just cast it and yeah this is just a this is just a good card when it's on the field so uh um i i i want the red one to be um the most broken one that's just kind of the way that i want to play magic but um i do think this is 
pretty much in line with what red should be able to do with a free spell right um so yeah. I, I think i think it's exactly at the right power level and i'm super excited to see this deck that you're um that you're uh brewing i am too yeah uh, i think uh with with these evoke elementals green definitely green players are definitely down bad um they certainly got the short end of the stick um and i think with this set in general but i'm fine with that i'm branching out into other colors um <laughs> so that, i'm happy to get to play with this that must be uh so traumatic for you to have to play a, another color other than green yeah, it's awful. It's so much emotional labor. Um, speaking of emotional labor, this next card you're going to talk about does a lot of emotional labor for you. Sure, absolutely. So I was talking about Unmarked Grave, uh, you know, souping up uh, reanimation strategies in Modern uh, with that uh, non-legendary clause. I think this is going to be the new hotness for trying to reanimate into uh, into Modern, especially with unmarked grave this is sarah's emissary uh for uh, it's a seven mana four generic and then three white creature angel uh this is a mythic from the set seven seven flying when it enters the battlefield choose a card type so you're thinking instance uh sorceries planeswalkers creatures lands you and creatures you control have protection from the chosen card type now think in modern how many decks have very narrow um uh win cons uh if you're playing against like a um, a lands deck like valakut um you know think about just being able to give yourself protection Ooh. from lands uh and those yeah. valakut triggers uh in fact just hit creatures i mean that's pretty much game uh right there if they can't remove uh the emissary if they're playing like a control deck and they plan on just like um uh, using like a, a like animating Gideon and attacking you. You know, you could just hit um, Planeswalkers. Now, this is going to hit every deck as a as a silver bullet, but it's pretty good. And even if it's uh, like a um, a deck that has multiple angles of attack, just turning one of those off is pretty big game, especially on a seven seven flying. Is this the best thing that you can reanimate in modern right now? I don't know, but I think that for people who are trying to build these unmarked grave decks, this is the first thing they're going to look for. Yeah, I think this is up there with the Black Archon, which I don't think we're talking about, but I think that Wizards in releasing this set anticipated players' complaints about there not being anything good non-legendary to reanimate with Persist and went ahead and just filled those slots with what is obviously like pretty very very playable cards. I think these are going to be up there with stuff like Tide Spout Tyrant, um, like the non-legendaries that C-Play and Legacy Reanimator, especially as Modern starts to look more like Legacy. Um, and I think that Sarah's Emissary, you know, it's worth noting that you get one of these out on turn two, you named Instance. That gives you enough time to put out the one that names Sorceries, and that gives you enough time to put out the one that names Planeswalkers, and then your opponent literally can't do anything. Um, yeah, like yeah, these that... really feed on each other in the way that a non-legendary Reanimator target should. Yeah, that, that is one thing to keep in mind, that if you play this and you uh, name instance, you are protecting Sarah's Emissary from instant removal mm -hmm. um, because it's giving itself that um, uh, protection from the, uh, from the chosen card type. So keep that in mind as well. Yeah, this card really demands that you know what your opponent is trying to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, yeah. and honestly, I think Modern is better with cards that require um, a large amount of format knowledge and allow people with that knowledge to lever it, uh, leverage it against uh, decks that they uh, come across in a blind environment. Yeah, and that's why I like seeing designs like this. I think this is a really cool design. Uh, white Mythic that's actually good. El, uh, you know how every time there's a good white, uh, uh, an overcosted White Mythic, we say Dredge has a new toy? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh wait, that's Reanimator, not Dredge. Reanimator has a new toy. It's kind oh, of the same yeah. thing. Well, I, 
<laughs> I think you're right. Okay, let's talk about your next card. Uh, so this is one of the um, rare suspend cards. I gotta be honest, there's a lot of words on these cards, so I didn't read a single one of them. But you tell no, me. That's fair. What, you tell me what this one does. I didn't read this one either. This just looks like one of the weird wall hangings at my dad's house. Um, <laughs> so inevitable betrayal is a sorcery. Uh, it has it has no mana cost, and it has suspend for one and double blue. Uh, suspends for three turns. Search target opponent's library for a creature card and put that card onto the battlefield under your control. Then that player shuffles. Um, so this is a retrain of a card whose name I haven't bothered to look up. I'm very excited for this because I'm going to play it in that team or cascade deck along with the other two suspend cards that I consider worthy of playing there, which are Ancestral Visions and Crashing Footfalls. I think Inevitable Betrayal is just an auto-win in some matchups. Any decks like Gorio's decks that are trying to get play Emrakul... I mean, basically allows you to cast Charlotte or Cascade Charlotte's Agent into Emrakul. Even just decks that are playing like Thrag Tusk, um, decks that are playing like like think of all the best decks in Modern, and there's a decent thing to get from each of them. You know, against Ponza, you can take Clothis. Um, against uh, you know Blue Red Blitz, you can get the Bird that scries two when it comes in. There's always something really good to get off of this that's going to be above rate. So um, I'm going to be playing in the Cascade deck and trying to Cascade into it. On the face of it, in limited, <clears throat> this card is also amazing. Like, you pay a three man on turn three, and then if you can just survive to the turn that this pops off, you get to take whatever your opponent was planning to use as their bomb or their threat, uh, which is really powerful. Um, yep. But yeah, in modern, I think the best thing you can be doing with this card is cascading into it. Will, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, yeah, because you have to think you're also getting a huge mana savings on this as well. It's not like like you're getting you're you're trading this one card in for another card but you're also not paying for that card uh so and, and then you get all of that extra mana on that turn as well which really swings the tempo of the game so th those are the uh hidden things you have to think about uh with this card yeah i i totally think just suspending this is is good enough um i i don't know what decks would actually actively want this as part of their deck if they're not doing what you're thinking about doing cheating it in the play but the power's there uh and yeah. uh, i could see maybe like a um uh, a more control skewing deck maybe just wanting to suspend this or a deck like yours where um yeah if you can um uh, if you can um, cascade into this very early and get something that costs like five, six mana, or, or even like a reanimation target, yeah, you're yeah. that's that's pretty good game. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how this uh, how this plays out. Yeah, if that persist reanimator deck takes off, then this is going to be sauce against that. Oh, yep. Um, so speaking of cards that are sauce, um, you said you hate soy face cards, and then you just keep picking them for these lists. <laughs> Tell us about Phantasmal Dreadmaw. It looks like Magic the Circle Jerking got a new toy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we all know the Colossal Dreadmaw meme. It's it's pretty funny. I enjoy it myself. But uh, yeah, so they decided to take... Uh, 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 Wizards decided to take the meme and do their own little like uh, uh, twist on it. Like, oh, you know, look at us. Look how clever we are. But this is pretty cool. Phantasmal Dreadmaw is four mana, two generic, two blue for a 6-6... Six, six, uh, creature dinosaur illusion it has trample and when uh this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability sacrifice it so it has that you know a uh, phantasmal clause on there um but a six six trample for four that's that's pretty fun and, and honestly i just I, a lot of the kind of cheeky things they did with the set are kind of 
cringy in a way, you know, not super into it. I, I think I mentioned multiple times that I really don't uh, find the, uh, the the character with the super, super long name, all that engaging. But mm-hmm. this is, as someone who is very involved in like magic uh, commentary on Reddit, I do just really like this. Yeah, I um, see this feels like the most of that to me. And I don't mind the cheeky cards. I think they're cute most of the time, but this seems like the peak of that. Um, because it's straight. The the one thing they could do that would be more than that would be if they like made Crow Storm a black border card or something. Um, I think the card's cool. I think it totally could have been a three drop and been fine. Um, but I think this is a neat direction to take it. Their other options would have been like you know a suspend Colossal Dreadmaw. They basically just needed to put a mechanic or something on a Colossal Dreadmaw. Could have been suspend. Could have been like I I don't know Cascade. I don't know. But um, I I like how they did this. It makes it a little more competitive i'm going to be happy to take this in limited like this is one of the better blue commons in limited um because you know in limited typically if you're going to be targeting something with a spell or ability you're going to want to kill it anyway um but yeah i i think this is a cool card i agree with you that it's that it's neat i did not this is the, probably the last card i expected you to pick though yeah i'm just i'm just showing my uh i'm showing my true colors as a uh, as a ret soy boy but uh yeah i was curious as to what you thought this uh was uh in a limited context uh, how good it was uh yeah it is a little weird for uh um for blue to be getting a six six trample for two uh for four mana so uh that's uh that's a little loud character for blue but it is here uh and, and i think it just goes to show that like it's cringe unless you like it then it's based right <laughs> yeah uh, basically <laughs> maybe i should keep that in mind uh for for future uh card evaluations but so anyway let's move on to your next card and this is another card i haven't really paid attention to in the spoilers so uh tell me why you're excited about this yeah, so this card probably isn't super great outside of Commander, but I just love that they are going back to Investigate in white, and I hope this uh, indicates a wider trend. This is Search the Premises. It's three and a white for an enchantment. Whenever a creature attacks you or a Planeswalker you control, Investigate, which means create a colorless clue artifact token with two, sacrifice this artifact, draw a card. Um, the applications of this are mostly, like, in Commander, you're going to just get a shitload of clues. In Limited, this is fine. Like, over the course of the game, you're basically just going to have pay two, draw a card for the rest of the game because your opponent has to attack you to win, pretty much. Um, but I think, you know, basically, if they made this cost any less, it would have been broken, and if they made this cost any more, it would be unplayable. But, like, four just feels like a weird cost for this. But I picked it because I'm glad that white is getting more investigate. I think that should be white's thing, and I think, like, you know, a way to make white better at card advantage is to move it more into this investigate space. I remember on our episode where we talked about ways that wizards could improve white, you spoke about investigate quite a bit. So this, yeah, this seems right in line with what you were talking about in that episode. And it looks like wizards agrees with you. Yeah. Um, I, 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 what can I say? I'm, I'm very good at game design. Do you think that this sees a competitive modern play or is this like just a commander plant? Uh, this is just a commander card. I really don't think it's even a competitive modern play. I'm willing to be wrong about it, but I, I just don't see where this... I don't see where you could be... I don't see where you would ever want this over many other things you could do for 4 mana. Yeah, um, in, in the modern yeah. format, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, this is great, and I'm glad that uh, White's getting this, and uh, hey, White gets a new toy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, but actually... So uh, you got this next one for us... Um, and this one I am not excited about. <laughs> I am you know, scared of it. 
yeah i don't know how this one's gonna play out um i love the flavor of it um i'm glad that it's fine we're finally getting some real snow hate uh so snow won't just be the default um but i'm curious as to what decks of modern are going to be using this uh this is break the ice it is a two mana two black or two mana and two those are two black mana sorcery destroy target land that is snow or could produce colorless mana and then you can overload it for um six mana for generic to black um so this is a pretty obvious callback to sinkhole uh which is a you know a two mana spell that can destroy any land um this is targeted uh or targeted in the fact that it targets snow or things that could produce colorless mana so that's going to be pretty much all of your utility lands uh, i'm thinking like a, a ghost quarter or um Help me out. What other thing? Tron lands. Tron lands. Um, <laughs> Tron, yeah, Tron lands are the big one, but like it also gets all your other things that are utility lands that can um, make colorless uh, mana. This this will hit uh, pain lands. Pain lands. Playing. Yeah. Yeah. If you're hitting pain lands, um, you know all of those, all that extra stuff, uh, and then you can overload it. I don't know how much anybody's going to be overloading this. Uh, maybe in like commander where you see a lot of those uh, colorless producing. Um, utility lands but you know for some deck is going to get a two mana stone rain uh and also i you know um and you'll also be hitting snow lands i don't know if that actually shifts the meta in terms of uh whether people uh default to snow or not but it is there um you know i would just this is just really efficient uh, uh land destruction in a way that wizards has been hesitant to print uh in a long time so it's it's cool to see wizards has not given up on this uh, idea of cheap efficient land removal um completely so um do you I, I know that you're a big ponza player do you see yourself playing this card at all um well i think the the thing about this card is like i would have to go into a different color and be able to make two of it on turn two um and the other thing is like this doesn't there are some matchups where this is dead all of Ponza's three-drop land removal can hit any kind of land. Um, and then, like, Crumble can can get rid of something permanently. So, like, for decks that aren't Ponza, that play black, that want a sideboard card that just says, wow, fuck Tron in big letters, they're absolutely going to go for this. Um, the snow part, like, I'm not as wary to play snow because I know that no one's going to feel safe putting this in their main board um, because of how many decks it just doesn't do anything against. Um, but... You know, the, the Teamer Cascade deck I'm building, you know, it plays a playset of Ice Fang Quaddle, and it plays the Snowlands to keep it online. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, this is probably going to get brought in against that deck, and it's going to kind of suck, but if they're taking turn two off to do this, then, you know, I'm safe suspending a spell, and I think I'll get better in the long run than they are. Um, now, six mana destroy all Tron lands is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. um, or just two mana destroy a Tron land, also pretty awesome. And it's good that, like... Decks like Mono Black Devotion and Jund, like decks that typically have difficulty against Tron, um, sort of have a new tool to deal with that. Because every deck should be able to deal with Tron. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the only ones that's really missing now are Mono White decks. Don't really have a way to do it. 
Sure, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. This is not slotting right into Ponza. They're not going to add black uh, for this card. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I wonder if any, like, kind of mono black, maybe like Pox or uh, maybe like 8-Rack, uh, in a sense, will kind of look at this more as a as a main board card. But, uh, yeah, this will definitely be more of a sideboard card, at least to begin with, and maybe we'll see um, a deck kind of adapt to be able to use this to great effect. But I guess that'll just... Uh, uh, we'll just have to see that. But if you're thinking about destroying lands in modern, you have to be keeping this in uh, line, especially if you're trying to load up your deck with lots of uh, colorless producing uh, utility lands. Uh, so that being said, let's move on to your next one. Um, ooh, so this is, okay. I was calling them incarnations last. So the incantations are like your grief, solitude, fury. No, this is an incarnation. Incarnation is something different. Uh, and it's something that means something in magic. So we have a new incarnation in wonder. Why don't you tell us about this card? Yeah, so Wonder is 3 and a blue for a 2-2 flyer. Uh, as long as Wonder is in your graveyard and you control an island, creatures you control have flying. So this is part of an old cycle from, I think, Judgment. Uh, they all used to have the grave next to their name. Uh, and I've, I've played this card in Commander before, and I honestly didn't expect Dredge to get such a hot toy in this set. <laughs> um, because like, if you just put this in your graveyard, you don't have to do any work. This just goes in your graveyard, you don't need to reanimate it or anything, and all your shit has flying. And that's pretty strong. And that's, like, the number one place that I see this seeing play. You know, I can't think of any other decks that, like, are go-wide but also want to just throw something into their graveyard to give stuff flying. But, yeah, I think uh, I think Wonder is a pretty, pretty great, great toy for Dredge. Does it make up for the loss of Faithless Looting and Govaria Grave Troll? Probably not, but they're definitely going... They'd be silly not to play this, you know, late in the game, like, if you're against some tribal deck or some other deck that cares about their board state... And you just like give your uh, two oxes and your two amalgams flying, you just win the game. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is definitely a a great slot in for that deck. Not sure if any other decks want this, but I mean, you know, it's it's all it has to do is sit in your graveyard, and that's a pretty easy thing to do uh, for such a powerful effect as giving your entire field uh, some sort of evasion. I'm a huge fan of the uh, anger uh, version of this, which is uh, one of the originals. Uh, from judgment i believe uh you know give it gives all your creature haste uh creatures haste and that is big game and some of my mono red uh commander type decks so yeah mm -hmm. this is this is just a good card um i yeah i'm very curious to see what other decks other than dredge because you're right that is a pretty easy slot in which other decks are going to be able to use this uh to effect yeah mm -hmm. um maybe reanimator but yeah as of right now i'm just saying this is a really cool toy for dredge yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but on to another soy-faced banger you picked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the part of the list where I'm just picking red cards, so you'll have to forgive me, but it's my uh, it's my bread and butter. I love this card so much. Flame Blitz, uh, one mana red uh, enchantment. Uh, at the beginning of your instep, Flame Blitz deals five damage to each Planeswalker. Wow, fuck Planeswalkers, am I right? <laughs> Uh, and then yeah. it has, and it has cycling for two. So if you know you're not playing against planeswalkers, you can just cycle it for a very reasonable cycling co uh, cost. Yeah, this card is hard to make sense of. Uh, it's obviously very powerful. It's obviously the best thing you can do to kill planeswalkers in red uh, if you're not playing them. Um, you know, I don't think burn like sideboards this card, but I could totally see Jund boarding out lilies for these if it's against a deck that has other planeswalkers. 
you know, the deck I'm playing right now plays some Garuk Wildspeaker, but he usually does what he needs to do the turn he comes in, so I'm not as scared of him getting killed. And, like, the deck I'm brewing plays a couple Jace the Mind Sculptor, but, like, you know, I can just board them out if I know my opponent's boarding in Flame Blitz and it doesn't kill my game plan too much. Um, but, yeah, like, this card is obviously pushed for dealing with Planeswalkers, and I guess they just see this as, like, you know, um, broken, like, if a broken Super Friends deck pops up, or just, like, for dealing with, like, Narset and stuff before they become a big issue. Like, this is really good. Um, the only thing I wish this did was deal with the giant walkers that Tron plays. Um, um, yeah. You know, uh, Old Karn and Ugin. But, like, I mean, not every card can do everything. And this certainly does a lot. I could absolutely see this seeing expansive sideboard play in Modern. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's where I think it's home is, is, uh, you know, sideboard play in modern. Yeah, maybe not burn would want this, but just like uh, maybe just kind of like a mid range decks that want more game against Planeswalker control, you know, um, just like one thing they can just play. Uh, and then um, if they know they're going to uh, be facing an onslaught of Planeswalkers, then, yeah, this slots in pretty well. And, you know, for those. Uh, um, uh, uh, commander decks uh, that are um, weak against the you know those like super friends type uh, commander decks um, mm -hmm. they can also put that in there and yeah I, I do think this would do work in commander um, as well definitely something I'm going to keep in mind uh, uh, for commander decks especially with that cycling cost uh, and, and one more thing I love about this is that do you remember a couple of years ago I think it was one of the commander sets um, had like a um, uh, it had a cycle of curses and they all had this one guy uh with the um uh, super stylized uh, uh like yeah. undercut and the beard and all this bad stuff was happening to him he has returned he's right here getting blasted yeah let me just say he looks like he owns a microbrewery so i think he deserves it <laughs> okay, i, I think, yeah. um huh i think we can all get behind that yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I I like the cards like sort of focused around. I, I like callback cards. I like I like the silly face cards. I like the cards that just make players go, oh, I remember that, and I like it. Right, uh, and this sure. card makes me remember that, and I like it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just all about like flame blitz. Yeah, just like uh, uh, Phantasma Drama for me. So yeah. that being said, oh, okay. I was wondering if we were going to talk about this. Um, so we, we're getting more Planeswalkers with this set. And this is a super, super old, like all the way back to like uh, uh, Magic's, excuse me, uh, Magic's first couple of sets. We're getting Dakon as a Planeswalker. Tell us why you like this card. Um, I think this card is just really strong. I'm not a particularly a fan of it, but in terms of cards that are going to affect modern and maybe legacy, I honestly think this card is up there. Okay. Um, so Dakon Shadow Slayer sort of treads the path of the original Dakon and that it comes in with loyalty equal to the number of lands you control. Now it's uh, cost a white, a blue, and a black. It you know comes in with loyalty equal to the number of lands you control. Plus one, surveil two, minus three, exile target creature. Minus six, you may put an artifact card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. So this is kind of like an X spell, except you don't actually have to spend all the mana on it. You only have to spend three of the mana. This is a three. This is a reanimator spell that you know kind of costs six, but you get to leave up three to protect something if you just want to do the minus six to either reanimate or show and tell. Um, if it's past turn three, you can pay three mana to exile target creature and then leave this body behind that can continue to plus one to surveil two. And surveil two is not nothing, especially if you care about cards in your yard. I think a lot of Esper control shells are going to be gravitating toward this, are going to have to think very seriously about playing this. And I think potentially, you know, Esper reanimator, the classic reanimator that uses on burial rights, might want to go with this just because, 
you know, it's got the reanimator spell on there with the minus six, but it also surveils to potentially put that stuff in the yard. And the later the game goes on, which Esper reanimator can handle, um, the better this gets. Yeah, I think that this is one where the power is a little understated, but it's there if you look for it. At the baseline, you play this on three, you get three loyalty counters, you immediately remove all of them to exile one of your opponent's problem creatures. Exiling's pretty good. Um, that's the baseline. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, if you can get more lands in the play, you uh, you get those um, extra loyalty counters and you just get that extra mana uh, with all that uh, all that loyalty. The, the fact that um, in certain games towards the end game that you can immediately just pop this down and ult uh, ultimate it to get a... Um, uh, to get an artifact yeah th this is one of those things where you have to think about how it plays uh, but it's uh it's more powerful than it looks uh, and yeah you're right surveil surveil is not nothing uh, you can get your wonders into the graveyard that way yes yeah um among plenty of other things i think this card is going to be awesome uh and it's you know one of my higher picks for cards that see play in modern from this set uh, so even though i won't be the one playing it uh most likely i think it's it's definitely worth thinking about Speaking of cards that are definitely worth thinking about. Oh, it's it's so weird that an Esper card <clears throat> cares about the number of lanes you control, right? Like, we know that's a callback to the original creature card, but, like, in modern magic, it's so weird to see Esper care about the number of lanes you control, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like if uh, if Dakon as a card back then didn't exist or did something different, this absolutely wouldn't say that on there. Um, yeah, for because sure, this for is sure. not an Esper thing. But I think it's fine to bend the color pie for important callbacks like that. Yeah, another important callback, Richard Kane Ferguson is coming back to do the art for this. And I know that he's an artist that uh, didn't do magic. He was there in the early days, didn't do magic for a super long time, and just recently started uh, um, doing these kind of callback pieces to Dagon. I know he did the um, art for Black Blade Reforged, uh, which is the sword you see on the art there. Um, so super cool that they're, uh, trying, that they're doing callbacks uh, in multiple ways with this card. Yeah, I was actually just looking up. Um, I was just looking up um, like when he started back again. But yeah, it seems like he's coming back for a select few pieces that are related to pieces that he did back in the day. But it's good that he's still willing to do stuff like this. Yeah, absolutely. It's really awesome when uh, old magic uh, artists uh, aren't ashamed of what they did with magic and are willing to come back and be a part of the community and be proud of their place in magic history. Yeah. So. Yeah, I wonder if we could get Harold McNeil back to do retrains of some of his classic cards. Okay, okay. so my next card, uh, this is one I know that you're super excited about, uh, but I'm also super excited about, maybe for a different way. This is Ra uh, Ragavan Nimble Pilfler. You might remember Ragavan from uh, the Kerry Zev card from Kaladesh. This is a one-mana 2-1. It's red. Legendary creature, Monkey Pirate. Whenever Ragavan Nimble Pilfer deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token and exile the top card of that player's library. Until end of turn, you may cast that card. Now, it doesn't say that you can spend mana of any color to, to be able to play it, but you are getting the treasure token. So if you need extra colors of mana, uh, you're going to have to use your treasures to use get that color. But in, on top of that, it has the return of the dash mechanic for one generic and one red. So that means you can play it from your hand for two mana, it gains haste, and then it comes back to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. 
tons of people are super excited about this card. I think it's one of the highest selling um, or highest, um, like the highest price for pre-order before mm-hmm. we go into the pre-release. Isn't it something like $50 to pre-order this card? Uh, it's currently 70 to pre-order. It was 80 Ooh, initially. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I am not paying um, those price. I'm not paying those prices, but I am excited uh, to play this card. Why don't you tell me how you're thinking about brewing around this card? Yeah, there's no way that price stays, by the way. I bet this will be a $30 card tops eventually. Sure. Uh, but anyway, um, I think people who are talking about this in burn are, are making a mistake. I don't think it's very good in burn, but I think the real hotness in this card is in like red XX mid-range decks. So like Teamer, yes. maybe Ponza, um, Jund, like those types of decks. If you play this on one, it's probably going to eat a removal spell. If you just dash this on two and hit him and get a treasure, that's not bad. Um, the other thing is like in the deck that I'm brewing right now, that's a fairy deck or the, um, the, the, the Teamer cascade deck that like has a lot of trouble against Teferi, dashing this to hit Teferi, uh, and then bolting Teferi to like deal with him on the next turn, um, is a nice way to deal with that. Um, but really just dashing this guy, if you have the extra mana lying around, getting potentially another card to cast, like that's, that's a lot of card advantage. And if you don't get something to cast, the treasure sticks around. I don't think it'll be that hard to cast whatever's on top of their deck, especially if you're in a three-color deck and you're more likely to be sharing colors. Think about the cards that see play in Modern. Most of them have one pip of each color. And, like, I'm sitting here in this Teamer deck, I'm thinking, you know, what if I hit... If I just have another treasure already lying around, then I could hit Siege Rhino and potentially cast it, even though it needs two pips of other colors. Uh, and there's a lot of other scenarios like that. I don't. I think because of the treasure, it's not going to be as hard as people are thinking it is to cast whatever you get off the top, even though you can't make other mana. Now, if you were in a mono-red deck, it probably is. It's probably going to suck, but... I think this is at home in those other decks, in those three-color mid-range decks. I think this card's going to be a really fun commander, um, oh, and I would yeah. love to see. I would love to see that. You know, I don't brew in commander often, but you know, if for some reason a uh, ragavan drops a lot or I have an extra ragavan lying around, I might make myself uh, a monkey pirate commander deck. Uh, How- I, I just love this card. I think the flavors need. I think it's. I think it's a huge skill testing card too, because deciding whether to just cast it or dash it is a huge thing to that test your know-how about the situation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, do we know how Dash works out of the Command Zone? Yeah, because um, Colagon had it. Um, it just, you can cast it with its Dash cost from the Command Zone, but you still have to pay the tax, but it goes back to your hand at the end of the turn, so you can cast it then from your hand. Oh, it goes, okay. Oh, you're absolutely right. It goes to your, to your hand. But if it goes to your hand, you can choose to make it go to the um, Command Zone. I guess if you do that, it gets the Commander tax uh, one more time, right? So people wouldn't really be doing that. Yeah, there's really no reason to ever do that. Okay, that, um, that's very interesting. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, people are saying that this is in the running for best red one drop of all time. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that is to be determined. But yeah. I think I think <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think this is a burn card. Like you, would, I don't think anybody would choose this over Goblin Guide. Uh, you know, in a uh, in an aggressive like red deck wins style deck yeah. i would i would also be looking to play this in some sort of mid-range deck um maybe with a gold span dragon uh, or gold vein Ooh. dragon um, yeah yeah like uh, that's definitely a card i would be looking to uh pair uh with this card but yeah i i love what you said about this being a skill testing card i i really do think it is um and uh, the fact that it draws cards the fact that you can dash it the fact that you can just play it as a uh, aggressive um uh, two power creature on on the first turn uh, and start mm-hmm. ramping. Uh, you know uh, if your opponent can't uh, easily deal with that. Yeah, uh, I 
I don't think this is going to keep the the um, pre-order price, but I do think this is going to be a card that people are super going to be trying to make work. Uh, and I think a shell, like you said, is the exact correct place for it to be. Um, I won't be putting these in my burn deck, though. Okay, that's a that's probably a good call. Will you be putting it in Winota EDH? That's that. Yeah, I think that. Well, I'm not. I I, I have to see where prices go, but yes, this is the only <laughs> card I want for that deck. Yeah. Um, prices, I don't think this will end up being the most expensive. I think it'll be one of the Evoke Elementals or just some mythic no one predicted. Sure, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but either way, um, I've picked a bit of a, of, uh, a weird card next, and this kind of gives away my predisposition toward just seeing mechanics from different planes, like, kind of connected together in a fun way. Uh, that's what I like so much about the Modern Horizons sets and, like, Time Spiral and, like, those kinds of sets and, like, where we get where we just get weird stuff and weird callbacks. This is Parcel Mirror. It's one in a blue for a 2-1 artifact creature Clue Mirror. So it has the uh, Clue ability of pay 2 and sack it to draw a card. Um, very interesting. Decent 2-drop for limited... Uh, that clue ability is cool. Um, you know, the artifact kind of decks in limited are going to want this. This obviously doesn't see modern play. I don't think this would even see standard play. Um, but the 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 limited format, like having like a two mana two one that has the clue ability, I think is really clever. I think it's it's good that they they put the clue subtype on a creature, kind of like they did with the food subtype in Eldrain. And I think there's when they do stuff like that, it's neat. Yeah, you're a real clue connoisseur, aren't you? I am. I. I. Um. I'm. I'm. Uh. I'm blues for the clues. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't some, make any sense. Now, some of these, uh, where they do these really clever, like uh, mashups and and do things like this. Some of them are a little cringy, but like this is good. I. I. I like the way they did this. It makes sense thematically with uh the parcel mirror. You know, uh, being something that's you know carrying something around. Um, this is one of the better kind of uh cheeky designs that they've done. Uh, yeah, and just like clues are good. We know through having clues and standard that like clues are just good gameplay. People love them they they play very well uh and it just makes a lot of sense to um put this on a creature um ginger brute is a card that's very close to my yeah. heart and it's another one of these um types of designs like you were talking about in throne of eldraine uh yeah so i i love this card this, this is that kind of cheeky kind of uh oh look how clever we are that we made this that plays very that um comes off very well yeah, I think anything that adds decisions to a game is good, and clues do that. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I definitely like any card that makes clues. Um, but oh, and, and to return to, to uh, Mirrodin, which I love. And this is, um, like, I won't say old Mirrodin, but this is like, uh, it even references the Mirren resistance uh, in there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, we if this is current new Phyrexia, it's good to know that there is still hope for old Mirrodin still there even though i do love new phyrexia yeah here's how bernie can still win in 2021 <laughs> yep yep <laughs> yeah so uh you've got an interesting card coming up and this seems like a flavor card for you that you enjoy it is yeah yeah um one of my main loves in magic ever since i started back in original mirrodin has been coin flip cards fiery gambit has always been a card uh, again close to my heart for as long as i've been playing and it, uh modern horizons 2 has a small coin flip sub theme uh going on in the is it colors uh and so there are a couple of cards i chose one because i think this is the one that like can slot into a uh, like a coin flip commander deck in his most more li most likely to make the jump from uh just 
the limited format of Modern Horizons 2 into coin flip decks that people are actually playing. So this is Tavern yeah. Scoundrel, a Scoundrel. This is a common. Uh, it's two mana, one generic, one red uh, for a 1-3 creature human rogue. Um, just as a stack ability, whenever you win a coin flip, create two treasure tokens. So that that's just on all the time when this uh, when this is in play, and then you could pay one generic tap and sacrifice another permanent to just flip a coin. Uh, you know you don't get anything for winning or losing other than uh, like the uh, synergy with his static ability. But if you were playing a deck that like wants to be flipping coins, regardless of the power of this card, like you just you just want this because then you're getting those treasure tokens on all of the other coin flips that you're doing. I, I just I just like that. It's cool that you can sacrifice the treasure that he's been making uh to try again to like uh, get even more uh coin flips. Uh because sacrificing the permanent is kind of the cost for losing, right? Because you yeah. don't get yeah because you don't get anything uh for losing the coin flip uh so yeah so uh i have a, a coin flip deck that i very much like and i'm looking to uh slot this guy in i also like how he is a um uh, a callback to tavern swindler which yeah has been, which has been a card that uh has seen occasional play in like high uh life gain uh, synergy uh decks this is kind of in that same vein but mm -hmm. also just allows you to flip coins around him and still get those benefits yeah, I, I think that's the, the important thing that really elevates this card. Um, my question, if you have Krark's Thumb out that lets you, like, redo your coin flips, um, and you have, like, three successful coin flips with that card that makes you flip three coins, or, you like, you have one successful and two unsuccessful, and then you Krark it and have two successful and one unsuccessful, do you get six treasure tokens or just four? Like, do, they, do, the, to do the flips you redid not trigger Tavern Scoundrel? No, um, because it's um, I, I don't know. I, I can't use the I, I can't say what the actual rule is, um, but uh, when you flip two coins, you ignore one. So in terms of like other like other cards only see one coin flip uh, because you're, oh, okay. ignore, cause you're ignoring the other in terms of the game rules. As soon as you make a choice between those two flips, the other one no longer exists. It never um, happened. Yeah, Tavern Scoundrel is okay. only going to see the the flip that you choose. Okay, good to know, good to and know. That's, and yeah. that's true with everything else. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I think that's interesting. I think this card, uh, you know, in that commander deck you have built, which, you know, might have a new commander, although I'm surprised you didn't pick that card to talk about. Maybe you just don't like him very much. Um, yeah, I don't uh, like it that much. Okay, well, <laughs> it's good to see that there's new toys for your for your pet commander deck. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah. I just think this is a it's a really interesting design in that design space. And I'm glad that they're still thinking about people who like this uh, magic mechanic. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is good to see that. Now we just need more Noggle Tribal. Do you think they're yeah. not doing that anymore? Because it vaguely sounds like a racial slur. Uh, say that one more time. Noggle? Noggles? Oh, um, hmm. The donkey yeah. dudes? Yeah, the fact that we haven't, because we've done a number of different uh, supplemental sets that, uh, sets that have done um, callbacks to different things, and we haven't mm. seen them once since like 2009. Yeah, I don't think they want to go back uh, to that to that well. Okay. All right, let's okay, move on to sure. your... Sorry, you may have cut out a little bit there. Let's move on to your next card. Oh, yeah, I was super excited when I saw this. Don't know about its power level, but again, it's a cool callback. Uh, we are getting Living Weapon back with Batterbone. Uh, tell us about this card. 
Yeah, so this is another callback to Batter Skull. This is a lot safer than Batter Skull, I think. I do wish it still had the ability to return itself to your hand. Uh, but Batter Bone is just two mana, living weapon. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has Vigilance and Lifelink, and it equips for five, which is very expensive. Probably could have been a little less yes. and still been fine. But, um, you know, it's a two mana, one, one, Vigilance, Lifelink, which is a fine couple of keywords. Uh, and then you can put it on other stuff later. That's pretty good in Limited. Like, I would definitely be okay with playing this in Limited. Uh, I'm not going to play this in Modern um, because I have Batter Skull, which, uh, you know, if you're in the know, Batter Skull does cost two mana. Um, mm. And so, like, you know... There's no real reason to play this over that. But it's a cool callback, and it's good and limited, and I like this art. I'm glad Living Weapon is back. We've seen it We've seen it actually on, like, four cards in this set. Um, you know, it's not just one of those that's just coming back once so they can say that they included as many mechanics as possible. It seems like something they've yeah. put on multiple things. And if a return to New Phyrexia is in our future, I hope to see some pushed Living Weapon cards in Standard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Living Weapon does play pretty well. Um, it allows uh, equipment to be more playable than it normally would. So, uh, yeah, 1-1 one, one uh, Vigilance and Lifelink, even for 2 mana, not that exciting. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I, I yeah, cool callback. I'm sure this would be a great card uh, for limited environments or maybe commander decks that just want as much... Um, uh, equipment as possible and just love living weapons so it's not just a dead card as soon as you play it so uh definitely something to think about for those kinds of decks yeah um uh, and and this highlights the new um creature type update which i don't think we've talked about a lot of cards that are thematically phyrexian have been updated to have their creature type have the the creature type phyrexian in it and that includes germ tokens from living weapon so you can see on the screen the um uh, reminder text for living weapon now makes a zero zero black phyrexian germ creature token so uh uh think about that yeah plague engineer is going to hit this card uh, uh particularly hard so uh just think about that when you're playing this yeah in fact in fact players it's time for your every three months molding um plague engineer kills your whole deck now because all of the infect creatures you relied on are phyrexian now we're still paying for the sin of scale up absolutely <laughs> but yeah uh, yeah love love batterbone uh so I have another card that is not a modern card, but is just a cool thing that they did. Uh, this one tickles me quite a bit. Jade Avenger. This is a, a two mana, one generic, one green uh, for a two, two frog samurai. And it has Bushido too. Uh, Kamigawa, another set that's, you know, very dear to me. And we're finally getting the return of Bushido. And also I love the art on this card. They didn't try to like Kamigawa it a little bit, even though he has the, uh, uh samurai <laughs> outfit on, but this is literally just a frog, uh, wielding swords, wearing samurai armor. This is pretty cool. <laughs> I like it too. Uh, it's also worth noting this card's very good and limited. Um, just Bushido 2 on a 2-2 two, two for 2 is awesome, because it's, you know, it's going to trade up pretty much forever. Uh, I love this flavor text. It's very cute and kind of ominous. Um, Froggy fighter at the gate, draw your sword and meet your fate. Traditional children's <laughs> rhyme. Um, yeah. yeah, very, this is a cool card. I like it. It's a little cheesy. It looks a little Hearthstone. Um, it's a little bit cringe, but in a good way. I like it a lot. I'm a big fan of this one. I think if you didn't pick this one, I, th this and Ragavan are the two that, like, if you didn't pick them, I would have. 
this is the one green card that I was like, yeah, okay, I'll talk about this one. I, I'm excited about this. Uh, and yeah. actually on uh, Gavin Verhey's uh, uh, YouTube, uh, Good Morning Magic, he talks about this card for a little bit. A lot of old school Magic players might remember the card Chub Toad, uh, which is you know, <laughs> a very funny card, had funny art. You know, Chub Toad is just a funny name. But Chub Toad uh, uh, essentially had Bushido too. Uh printed on it but you know of course not with the um with the keyword so when they were making this card they were thinking about chub toad and the original name for this card was bushy toad and that eventually <laughs> morphed into this card so uh, uh you know i i've i've had chub toad I, there was a period in my life where i had a chub toad just like on my refrigerator with a magnet just because i was so amused with the card <laughs> and to know that this is a spiritual successor to that card makes me very happy yeah chub toad uh chub toad is a classic card of course it's a three mana one one so this is strictly better in two different ways um, but yeah, Chub Toad, I, I, I was looking to see if they had like reprinted it and given it Bushido. Somebody made a mock-up of it that changed the poem into a haiku, um, and gave it Bushido too. But, uh, this Chub Toad, the, the traditional Chub Toad rhyme, for those who aren't aware, is Chub Toad, Chub Toad at the door, run away quick or you'll run no more. Uh, and the Chub Toad has a human hand coming out of his mouth, um, which is pretty great. Uh, yeah, it's cool to see like a reference to Chub Toad in a card that's much more playable. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually thinking about this as maybe a cubelet. Um, oh a, yeah, a cubelet card just seems like a really good, just kind of baseline uh, two mana card for that format. But oh, okay. definitely. Yes. All right. So um, I guess we're in the green part of our list now. Um, I this is another <laughs> card I haven't really looked at because it just kind of seemed uh, a little underwhelming. But sell me on this next card. Oh, this card is underwhelming. I just think it's cool. Um, so I love, as I've mentioned before, the cards that just take two mechanics that have never been together in standard even, and just like put them together on one card. And Bannerhide Krushuk is one of those. It's three and a green for a beast with trample, four, four at common. So four, four trample for four is not bad. It has reinforced two for one and a green, which is from one of the lower one sets. It's discard this card, put two plus one plus one counters on target creature, and that's instant speed. Uh, and then it's got Scavenge for five and double green. Exile this card from your yard. Put a number of plus one, plus one counters equal to this card's power on target creature. Scavenge only is a sorcery. Now, this is the, the Golgari mechanic from the Return to Ravnica block. So this card has so many decisions on it for a common card. And this is the kind of thing you could only see in a Modern Horizons set. Um, you know, you can just play it as a 4-4 four, four and then scavenge it later. You can reinforce it and then scavenge it later. You know, there's so many different th calls you have to make with this card. Um... This has this has two different modes and then a flashback basically, uh, and I think this card's going to put in a lot of work. I think it's one of the best green cards in uh, common in the limited format. This and building building your draft deck around this and Jade Avenger, you're not going to be able to go wrong. That deck's going to be sweet, even if your deck is literally just lands and then those two cards. Oh, you have absolutely sold me on this card. You're absolutely right. This is very skill testing. Yeah, I just I can't see how this can be a bad card. I mean, maybe the numbers won't match up with the rest of what the decks are doing but like i mean a four four trample for four that's pr i mean maybe just, just slightly below ray but it's not something you would laugh at uh in uh, any sort of um limited deck and then you have all of those um extra abilities on top of it and yeah you're right the extra decisions yeah so this is just a great limited card it's cool that we can have sets like modern horizons 2 that can allow designs like this to exist and thrive because you're right this would be a little much for a standard set i think or uh, definitely would not be a common or maybe even an uncommon card uh so yeah just really cool that we can have designs like this 
Yeah, this is one of those, you know, normally you see it on Mythics, but this is one of those commons that just makes you go, I'm not reading all that, I'm happy for you, though, or sorry that happened. Um, and this, yeah. I don't know, this card's just got a lot of text on it, but it's all good text, and if you learn it, you'll do good in this limited format, because this card is going to be a staple there. Yeah, it might be, uh, this will be a, a big um, source of bad beat stories, I think. Yes, for sure. So, uh, speaking of sources of bad beat stories, tell us about this next one. This is a card that I was very underwhelmed with when I first saw it because, you know, I see, you know, uh, Boros, so, you know, two of my favorite colors, uh, Legendary Creature Human Soldier. I'm like, okay, this is going to be uh, something. But then I read the text. I was like, I, I don't I don't know. This isn't splashy. It's not really uh, getting me going. It's not making me want to build any decks. Um, but after hearing other people talk about this card, I've taken the second look at it, and I do think that the power level is here. This, this is pretty powerful, especially if you can and uh, put the right shell around it. This is General Ferris Rokiric, uh, three mana, one generic, one red, one uh, white, for a 3-1 legendary creature, human soldier. Uh, and it has protection from monocolored. Um, that's pretty good game. That's like, mm -hmm. what, maybe, that's like half of the cards that you'll find yeah. uh, and uh, most of the most of the efficient removal that your opponents are going to be um playing lightning bolt path to exile uh, uh fatal push uh all of that uh and, and other stuff whenever you cast a multicolored spell create a four four red and white golem artifact creature token so of course you're going to want to build this as every card you're playing is multicolored, right? And there's lots of ways to do that. There are hybrid spells. Um, there are mm -hmm. just like two, uh, there are a lot of two mana efficient spells uh, that are gold, um, you know, that are like red and white, or maybe like a red and blue. Maybe like this could be like a, in a Jeskai um, shell and have just this be um, generating, um, you know, tokens when you play like Electrolyze or, or something like that. Um, you would have to build around this card, but I think it's possible. And if you get this online, it is pretty good. So I'm very excited to see how this plays out in the modern format. Yeah, it gets electrolyzed, Scrub. Um, <laughs> I, the fact that it's a 3 1 kind of hurts. It does get electrolyzed, you're right. But you're getting so much value off of your electrolyzes. That's true. What I was actually thinking was just, um, you know, not let this just sit there and gain value off of your multicolored cards, which realistically I think is the thing you want to do with this. But I was thinking go degenerate. Um, Manamorphose is a multicolored card, and like Archetype of Divinity is a um, is a one drop uh, that's multicolored because it's hybrid. Same with uh, Byway Courier or whatever, the one drop one one that's all colors. Uh, mm -hmm. And you just play General Ferus Rokiric, and then like if he doesn't get killed on the next turn, you Manamorphose into a bunch of multicolored one drops and just have an army of golems. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, yeah, that's that's good game. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that kind of sucks about this is it's clearly, it feels, to me, it looks like it's a, it's a commander card that's good enough for modern, but it looks like a commander card. But if you make it your commander, you're limited to just red and white multicolored cards. Uh, yeah, which yeah, is that's a little true. bit rough. Yeah. But I think this card's good. I think there's a lot you can do there, and I know people have been wanting uh, Boros commanders that aren't just attack and deal damage, which is crazy because attacking and dealing damage is like a lot of fun, and it's like the only thing I ever want to do. But people <laughs> want that kind of thing from Boros commanders, and this gives it to them. You're absolutely right. So I'm curious to see what this does, both in modern and commander. Yeah, yeah, as am I. Um, cards that won't see play in modern or commander, though. Um, this I picked because this feels like the kind of thing that would be a mythic in any other set. 
that everyone would be disappointed to open, but here it's an uncommon. Uh, yeah. And this is where this type of effect belongs. It feels like there's a janky, unplayable white angel at rare or mythic, like, every block. And this, like... This feels like it would have been a mythic a couple years ago in a standard set. So this is Glorious Enforcer. It's 5 and double white for a 5-5 five, five flying lifelink angel at uncommon. At the beginning of each combat, if you have more life than an opponent, Glorious Enforcer gains double strike until end of turn. So, you know, double strike on top of the lifelink. Having more life than an opponent's not going to be that hard, especially if you've already hit with this once. And it's just going to close out the game really quick. Um, it has badass flavor text. Um, it's a cool card. Uh, but... I just I, I mostly just picked it to highlight the, the the design trend that I'm happy with of making it so that Mythic isn't just big stompy card that they can have those at common and uncommon and they can have efficient cards at rare and Mythic too like it's not rarity used to correspond to mana costs a little too much and this feels like it's breaking away from that. Oh yeah, absolutely, and remember that uh, you just have to have more life than your opponent. That could just be one life. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty easy. And for flying lifelink. Uh, double strike on a 5-5 five, five, that hits so incredibly hard and you'll mm -hmm. be gaining like 10 life off of it like no matter what that is incredible like it is seven mana and all that but you're absolutely right yeah this this feels mythic but because of just the power level of the set like we were talking about with the uh the green common with reinforce we could just have designs like this and it be an appropriate power level for uh for uncommon so it's good that we have these sets that allow designs like this to exist and i definitely do not want to see one of these on the other side of the field yeah and i think black white sort of sub theme in this limited format being non-legendary reanimator this is a great thing to put it uncommon for that deck oh yeah 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 reanimating this is gonna feel great uh, but you've got a very Will card up next. Um, tell us about this new-to-modern reprint. I think this is my last one. Uh, yeah, so yeah. this is one of the new-to-modern cards, and it's Flame Rift. If you have played any red decks in Legacy, you know this card. Uh, it is a, a two-mana, one generic, one red sorcery. Flame Rift deals four damage to each player. So this is just great rate for damage to the face uh, in one card. So it's two mana, deal four damage to each player. Um, this uh, has been, I don't know if it is anymore. It's been a while since I've looked at the deck. Um, but for a long time, this was a uh, almost a four of staple in Legacy Burn, just because it was very hard to get a better rate than that uh for four damage uh for two mana and you you just had to take just a measly four four damage yourself i've definitely drawn a couple of games uh by uh, <laughs> playing this and killing uh both me and my opponent that you know that's a thing that you can do um this is a huge upgrade uh for red uh for like just straight red burn i don't know if they want this as a four of but it's definitely a card they have to consider because it has legacy power level um so yeah just really curious to see how the um uh, mono red burn decks in the format uh it incorporate this or i shouldn't say mono red uh like red deck wins like i know it's like a boros deck now uh but see how those decks um incorporate this card yeah i was gonna say bouncing off of that like i think it's pretty firmly a boros deck now i don't think there's any motivation for it to go back to mono red and the fact that it has boros charm which is just this but you don't have to take the four damage yourself and there's other marginally relevant text on it makes flame rift a little less in demand like i'd be surprised if this made a playset in the boros burn list in modern to be honest 
Uh, no, no, you're abs you're absolutely right. Um, it it's one of those things where it made sense for the Legacy deck because that was squarely a mono red deck to get around Wasteland, and uh, like this was just the best. You're, you're right. This does just do kind of a Boros Charm impression, uh, and ha uh, be a little less hard on your mana base. Um, but the power level is there, and they already play a four of card that is just this. So we'll just have to see if they want uh any more of those type of effects. And if they're willing to take four damage for it, that's that's true, and we'll we'll have yeah. to see how the format uh, 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 moves for uh, you know moves forward from this set. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. But I mean, the powers levels there; they have to consider this card. All right, yeah, well, we'll see. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be super surprised. And you know more about burn than I do, so I'll defer to you on this. But I did not I did not think of it that way. Um, sure. Yeah. So last we've got this um, art. That I honestly, I just picked this card because I think it's funny and cute. Um, late to dinner, it's a cute pun. It's three and a white. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, it's a sorcery at common. And you create a food token. I know you were set in your ways, friend, but even I didn't expect you to keep our engagement under the circumstances. And it's a little rhino, old rhino dude in fancy clothes dining with a ghost of an old elephant dude in fancy clothes. This reminds me of those Graham Base books that I read as a kid, Animalia and stuff. Did you read those as a kid? Were those in your kid's book repertoire? No, but I knew the style of book. I'm sure I've read something that was along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are my favorites as a kid. I love the illustrations. And this kind of reminds me of that. Uh, and I think it's just a really sweet card. It's really sad. Um, and, uh, it's flavorful too. Uh, you know, the, the pun of late to dinner, um, and then just reanimating something for four and getting a little extra on top in the form of the food token. This is obviously good and limited. I don't think it'll do anything anywhere else. What are your thoughts on the card? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it took a while for me to realize that the uh, elephant in the background was a ghost. Uh, it took, it took, uh, I, I did not notice that until maybe my third time looking at the card. <laughs> um, so like, um, so keep that in mind. That is the pun or, or that, that is the flavor of the card. Um, I, I, I like it. Um, it's cool that, um, they haven't given up on food tokens. Um, I think food tokens didn't play like, um, in terms of the way they, the cards were designed around it. I don't think food tokens had the success, uh, in terms of like good design as like clues, uh, and, uh, like treasure tokens. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, the cards around food, um, kind of, uh, made it not as, um, uh, balanced as it should have been. But, not as well um, remembered. <laughs> it's good that they aren't giving up on the food token idea. Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't want them to be evergreen, but like for them to appear every now and then, like in this card, I think is cool. I, I think that Magic should embrace uh, this idea of like tokens that get played and can be uh, cashed in at later times. I think it's a, it's a good idea as long as the cards around it, like this card, um, you know. Uh, keep it you know um uh, keep that power level now that being said this is just a um what a breath of life zombify right um like we already have a burial rights which is just yeah. this card twice um so yeah don't don't know but it just gives like um commander decks or um you know other decks that just want as many of these effects as possible mm -hmm. it gives them an, it gives them another one with interesting flavor so uh yeah, yeah I, i'm i'm interested i'm i i i think this is a, a cool card and glad that we could have this card yeah i i agree i uh i'm really happy to uh to have this card flavor wise and i mean i don't know if it makes the cut in those commander decks i don't play a lot of commander but it, it might um but either way it's just a cool card and i figured a, a fitting one to end on 
Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I believe that that finishes up our list, uh, you know, uh, over two episodes, 20 uh, Modern Horizons 2 cards. But before we move on, I got to ask you, neither of us had Fetchlands on our on our list but we we got to talk about uh fetch lands real quick um are do you think well one are you happy with the the um, enemy fetch lands which are being reprinted do you think that this set is reprinting them in enough capacity for it to matter or do you think that this was an appropriate place to reprint them uh and do you plan on picking some up when they uh um, hopefully hit some sort of price bottom um, I think this set should have been $4 a pack, uh, as I think everyone does. Um, but Wizards knows they can charge us 10 so they'll charge us 10 um, But, yeah, if this were a $4 a pack set, obviously it would have been better to reprint fetches there. But anyway, we can get them, we'll take them. Um, and it seems like, you know, with five of the 60 rares being fetches, like this, ha- this set has a low rare count um compared to a lot of a lot of sets so you know you'll get more fetches than you would in cons of tarkir which i think had like 75 rares to the set 60 um and that that's nice um and then half the time you get a fetch it'll be old border which uh those ones are worth quite a bit more and we'll see if that price sticks once people realize how easy it is to pull them but you know it's just nice it's nice that they're there i'm not going to complain about being there them being there them being there is better than them not being there but them being there in a ten dollar pack every four years five years is definitely not as good as them being in a four dollar pack more often <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is what yeah, they should I, be yeah i think you're right um i do think that this qualifies as a as a good reprinting of them um especially since they've committed to this not being like a super limited print run people are going to be opening up the set like quite a bit for a long time and i really hope that that lowers the prices on Fetchlands for those uh, people who have not bought them yet. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those things, you know how fetch lands work. Uh, once you see that they're at a price floor, you have to pick them up because that will be the cheapest they will be for a very long time. So just be looking out for that. And uh, hopefully Wizards is keeping to what they've said where this is not going to be like it's available for two weeks and then you can't buy it unless you buy it from scalpers on eBay. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, That's I, I my mean, biggest worry here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the, the EV of the set works out to where it's profitable to keep opening up these boxes and then people can buy fetch lands at reasonable prices. But um, if it doesn't work out that way, I guess I won't be that surprised. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of like a reprint of the fetch lands, this is probably the second best way we could get it. Uh, you know, not considering the price of uh, Modern Horizons 2, other than them just being reprinted in a standard set, this is probably the second best thing we could get in terms of a reprint. So I'm going to be, I'm just going to, you know, be glad that we're getting it and watch for that price floor. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I pretty much feel the same way. Um, you know, once once Fetchlands hit that price floor, I'm going to pick up as many of them as I can. But yeah, I, I don't think that price floor would be that low given the packs being $10. But we'll right, see. Right. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see. And to wrap this up real quick in one sentence, tell me how excited you are for Modern Horizons too. Uh <laughs> that's that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, um I'm apprehensive. It's a little too expensive. Some stuff is going to be like some stuff something's going to break modern and it's gonna be unplayable for like six months. But once it's playable again, we'll see if it's better or worse than it was. I would say Modern Horizons 1 broke the format and also left it worse than it was. 
but maybe this will break the format and then when the dust settles everything will be better than it was but i don't have super high hopes sure yeah yeah i would say that i am uh, uh cautiously optimistic about the future of modern with the set okay and we'll and we'll just we'll just have to see how things go all right Okay, so with that being said, how about we wrap this episode up and actually get to playing some modern? <laughs> I wish. I have to do some homework and then get my vaccine. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, give us an update on how your uh, vaccine shot goes. Uh, I've been, I will. I've been, uh, I've been vaccinated for a while. Finally, we're going to get uh, we're going to get you vaccinated, and then we're that much closer to finally being able to go play magic in person. But yeah, and said, record gut shot in person. I'm uh, well, I have a very severe fear of needles, and I'm finally getting over it. Um, well, I'm I'm forcing myself to get this shot. I am proud of you. But with that Thank said. You. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gut Shot. You can follow me at Agro Rhetoric on Twitter. Uh, Fred is at uh, at Fred SB on Twitter uh, or um, at War Crimes Uwu on Twitch. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Gut Shot Pod. Yeah, uh, and you can send um, your fan mail to Will's address at bleep this for effect in editing. 